Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Welcome to Wood Talk number 229 for March 27th, 2015. Today's show, it's just Matt and I again, because again, Mark has got the sniffles. Oh man, I hope he doesn't give me anything. I know he's like in Arizona, you're in Maryland, and we're on the internet, but that stuff travels. Yeah, it goes through the Skype lines. That's oh. bad news. Anyway, we figured since it was Mark's not going to be here and Mark's got his big fancy schmancy 10,000 square foot shop, we're going to talk, just Matt and I, about small shops. And we've got, we've had a couple of emails that have come in over time. So I'll just kind of say from, let's just throw some names on there. Jared, Josh, and Brandon, you guys all wrote in with similar questions about, I've got a small shop, either the basement or the garage. Um, in many instances, there's some dimensions in here. They're all right about the same size. Is what is your your square footage, Matt? Or yeah. not your square footage? Your what? How long and how deep is the shop? <laughs> yeah, how long oh, and how deep? Wow, <laughs> wow. How so, wide and how long is your shop? Uh, so let's see here. It, it's about let's see. The last time uh, it did a measurement, uh, not to exaggerate, uh, but it was like about 25 feet in length by about. 10, 12 feet in width at its at its narrowest part. I've got like this little weird kind of situation where the furnace is. Like the the wall up to that point is really narrow and then suddenly it expands out where the mm. the furnace is. So p- half of my uh, shop, there's a spot where it's about maybe uh, three feet wider than the rest of it. So right. yeah, if I, right. I'm sure right. if I actually did like the, the whole math thing where I did what the circumference it would probably be different. The perimeter, that's what it would the be. The circumference. <laughs> so your shop is round, is that what you're saying? It has moments, yes. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm about the same. I'm at 13, 13 by 22. Okay. So just a single bay garage. But we've got, these folks have written in saying, I need some kind of layout advice. I've got, you know, these tools in different places and I need to figure out how to how to organize them. So we figured we'd talk about kind of what, how we started with our shops and what mistakes we made, what we've changed, why we changed them, what we're going to still change. Um, I know I'm coming out of a shop remodel and I know, Matt, you've kind of thrown around the idea of doing some I don't know whether remodeling is the right term for it, but changes. Right. So um, let me, I'll, I'll kick it off here. Um, the biggest mistake that I made in a small shop, I mean, everybody always tells you that stuff has got to be mobile. You know, things got to move around, put everything on a mobile base. And I did that. I yep. put all of my, all of my tools, my table saw, bandsaw, joiner, everything was on a mobile base. Um, big mistake I made was I never got around to putting my planer on a mobile base and I, I kept having to pick the thing up and putting it on the bench. <laughs> yes. Bench top planer is so a misnomer, you know, especially that DeWalt I had sucker was like 55 pounds picking that thing up and putting it on the bench. In fact, I still have divots on my bench top from where I set it down. Not so gently. That was one mistake because I never put that on a mobile bench, but I remember like having like a moment where I have the old the old rigid originally and the old rigid 13 inch and that one I felt like I had to like take lessons from power lifters to get the proper <laughs> deadlift you know technique in there right. and I put on my belt and they're like that's not like a uh, a tool belt and I'm like no that's my back belt <laughs> right well I actually think that I may because my DeWalt I had the 735 the 13 incher it it was a workhorse for probably six or seven years and then it just it it broke the the whatchamacallit, the posts got out of alignment. So it was slightly crooked and it would, it jammed as you cranked it down. There's four threaded posts and they got like jumped a thread and the whole thing was, 
basically completely jammed beyond the point where they could they could take the whole thing apart and rebuild it and it was going to cost me like i think 380 bucks oh wow uh, which you know it just wasn't worth it at eight years old or whatever um and i think i well, i didn't do it all at once but the constant lifting by those handles on the top and setting it down and maybe setting it down on the concrete floor a little bit too hard over six seven years eventually did that um so that was that was one thing is i may have actually damaged my planer over the years through that repetitive use but that's not the point the point was the mistake i made was i put all my machines on mobile bases mm-hmm. and then i made built-in cabinets <laughs> okay yes. like base cabinets <laughs> that didn't move and it was awful i mean it was such a great idea at the time i built like this huge like chop saw thing with like the the craig um, ruler and fence with a little flip stop thing so I could set any piece of lumber down and chop saw it to exact length. And I just, you know, I used it, but I didn't use it that much, nor did I ever need that much precision with my chop saw, nor was my chop saw capable of that much precision for that matter. Right. So I, I had this huge amount of, of space taken up. Well, the cabinets were uh, about two feet, about 24 inches deep. And they ran the entire length of one wall. So a 13-foot run, or excuse me, 22-foot run, two foot wide, that's what, 26 square feet? Sounds about right. <laughs> out, of yeah. my, out of my 100-some square foot shop. So almost a quarter of my square foot in the shop was immobile. And it was, it was the worst thing I ever did. I ended up growing to despise those cabinets over time. And that was the first thing I did when I remodeled was rip all those out. So well, yeah, because you, you think, especially in a small shop, I mean, one of the, I think one of the most frequent articles that you'll see in some of the magazines is like, you know, getting the most space, you know, bang for your buck in a small shop, uh, storage solutions in the small shop, storage, yeah. this storage, that. So you, your natural inclination seems to be to go towards, well, how can I have all of this storage so I can put all of these great tools I'm going to get, or the, the supplies that I'm going to be using and, and get it in here and out of the way and not worry about it. Yeah. And right. then like you're saying, you lost a quarter of your space. <laughs> well, and then, I made the counter height the wrong height. It was higher than than the machines in the shop and higher than eventually my workbench in the shop. So it was literally like a stop, like putting a stop on your table saw, you know, because the, the, uh, I would put wood on my workbench and I could never slide it very far because it kept bumping into the cabinets. There and if I go. put it on top of the cabinet, then it was, you know, it was it was a good 12 inch height difference. No, not that much. Probably six, six or eight inches. It just felt like 12 inches when you yeah, really needed yeah. it. <laughs> Let's face it. If it was more than an inch, it was a huge difference. Exactly. So, you know, if if you are going to have something fixed, you need to take into account all the other things in your shop and what their heights are. Um, and, and you know, that goes into the whole uh, layout. You know, as, as wood comes into the shop and it flows through the production process, you know, what, what order does it go in? Well, that's nice, but if it's all at different heights, it's still stuff just gets in the way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, stay away from anything fixed, not just machinery, anything fixed. And if you're going to fix something mounted to the wall, don't take up floor space with it. Yeah, that's, absolutely. that's a big one for me. Well, yeah, and that's in my shops so far. The the two of them that I've had, that was one thing for sure. Is I, I anything that I had that would even come close to being fixed was uh, some sort of like pegboard or something like that on the wall. Something that was easy so it could be moved around, even the, on the walls there. So move from one spot to the other because occasionally I would roll things over to a particular area, and then something I'm like, wow, I for, even with this being on the mobile base, that's still really inconvenient to get over to it. Now. Yeah. 
I actually have kind of gone in a different direction. So originally I had everything on mobile bases and really technically in my shop, all of my big power tools still are on mobile bases, but I've tried to lay it out in a way that very key tools that I use more frequently than anything else, uh, while they have the potential to be rolled out of the way, I actually make sure that they are semi-stationary in the sense that I really, uh, I have them specifically in that spot so that um, everything else will maybe move around them. So for example, my table saw for sure is one that, that one is probably more stationary than even my workbench is at times. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was one of those things that early on my plan for the shop was to make sure that I would have everything out of the center of the room. It would always be pushed up against the wall, and then I would roll it out as I needed it. Uh, But it it just never worked out for me because then I was always getting super frustrated because I was using specific tools far more than others. So while I don't have the cabinets like what you're describing where or what you did have, you know, where that was taking up all that space, it was funny because I suddenly had all these tools pushed up against these things. And I was more concerned with making sure that everything was out of the way and then spending probably more time trying to pull away from the wall, get it set up, repositioned when in fact I would I probably would have uh, had better result or I would have had more fun in the shop and getting things done faster <laughs> if I would have just accepted the fact that there are certain key tools that need to just kind of stay pretty much in one position even if you move it just slightly like the table saw I often will kind of like maybe ter- turn a little bit askew so that if I need to for example Here's a great example of the, of the table saw, what I mean by turning it askew. So the way that I have it is if you were to walk into my shop and you uh, came in the door and you turned to the right so that you're looking down the length of my shop, the table saw is right there in the center and it's more or less looking right at you. Um, the problem with that is if I were to cross cut any long, any longer boards, oftentimes like with plywood, it actually kind of bumps against my furnace. So I kind of lose space there. So what I'll do is then slightly skew the table saw. So now I've got all this extra room off to the side and therefore I can now rip, you know, cross cut wider panels. But the, the key thing is the fact that the table saw always stays in that one spot while it may turn slightly here and there askew it still stays in that that one very particular position i think you know i I have done a couple of um won't call them renovations uh just simply moving things around uh i've kind of moved a lot of things back and forth in the years that i've been in this shop and the one thing that has stayed constant is the table saw it's always right there <laughs> right. in that same exact position and that's even when it's i had the other table saws they were always exactly there in that same position so there is something to be said about having things on on mobile bases being able to move them around but there's also something about finding those particular tools that you use frequently maybe it's a bandsaw even if somebody uses their bandsaw more than the table saw there really is something about having it in a key position where it needs to be moved very little to get the most bang from it i agree i i had that same setup with my bandsaw where it was kind of stuck over in a corner Mm -hmm. but you know i could have it probably would have taken up less space if i had literally pushed it into the corner but instead it was catty corner so it was sticking out at like 45 degrees 
to the corner. And what that did is it aligned essentially the in feed and out feed of the bandsaw so that all I had to do was open my garage door <laughs> and, and then open the door into the laundry room. The door into my shop runs into my laundry room. If I open the garage door and the laundry room door, I had like 30 feet of in feed and, you know, infinite out feed as long as the car wasn't in the driveway because <laughs> it just ran out the garage door and the tape the, the bandsaw just stayed that way so it actually even though it was on a mobile base it never moved because it was turned just so right my table saw was it was in such a place that in order to use it all i had to do was grab it and pull it out from the wall um whatever distance of out feed that i needed so it just went in one direction there wasn't like moving it and wheeling it and turning it around and positioning it it was just you know, out three feet, back three feet, and I was done. So that's that's key. Even though it's on a mobile base, doesn't mean you should have to wheel it all the way across the shop right, every exactly. time you're done. Absolutely. Now, I mean, I suppose if like in a garage, if you are storing cars in there, then you just need to readjust your priorities because you're doing it wrong. Right. Well, cars. you know, that, that brings up another question. And I think a lot of people, oftentimes when the question comes up about like, well, how do you organize your smaller shop? And how do you, how do you get things set up? There's still very much that mentality of you need to have every single type of tool. And especially yeah. if it's a power tool situation, although hand tools, you can totally get really carried away. I mean, you see sometimes like the, the shelves with just tons of planes or, or a, a large saw till or something where there's just, you know, a, a, an unbelievable amount of uh, hand tools in there but the underlying thing is a lot of people assume that you have to have one of every single thing so that's where a lot of the storage issues come in is well how do i move this around you know because i want to use this tool but i've got three or four others that are kind of in the way or i can't line them up the right way and and all these other things so that's one of those things i've learned over the years too with my small shop is there are limitations and you have to maybe occasionally, quite frequently, honestly, um, make an exception for the fact that there's just certain things you you may not be able to do in your shop. And that's one reason why I've moved my lathe from the basement and I took it out to the garage. Now, the other reason is because it's a hell of a dust maker and it's, it makes a huge, huge mess. And I, I like it being out in the garage because I can make that mess and it's a lot easier to clean up out there. Uh, but at the same time, though, I, I didn't use it frequently enough and I still don't say I, that I use it frequently enough to justify having it taking up that much space. So there really is something about kind of going through and for the for the lack of a better description, either having uh, the self-control to not buy every single tool or maybe to even go through and call out the ones that you have. Right. And, and that's exactly what I did when I went through this remodel recently. I mean, I'd already gotten rid of all my power tools, but it was um, and, and this is for, you know, a tip for kind of the more established woodworker for the guys just starting out that don't have very many tools. Um, consider yourself lucky. <laughs> this, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is the one time you could say you've got an advantage because you don't have that much to call through. But it wasn't so much tools. I mean, there certainly were some things that I got rid of, but it was just the other stuff that builds up, you know, the sandpaper and the bottles of glue and, oh my God, the oh, cans yeah. of finish, <laughs> yes. cans of finish that had expired that had just been like stuck in a cabinet somewhere, mm -hmm. which is the other thing. I mean, I like cabinets. I like being able to close doors and keep dust off of stuff. Um, hand tool or power tool shop, it doesn't matter. Dust is in the air. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's why I like a tool cabinet because I'm able to close them and kind of keep my, my, 
my nice tools somewhat free of dust because what is dust? It's, it's wood, right? Which is hydroscopic, which holds water, which causes tools to rust. So it, it is nice to, to do that. But the problem with cabinets and especially drawers is you can throw a lot of stuff in it. Go into any kitchen in America and find the junk drawer, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know? Yes, we have two of them, and oftentimes I can't get either one open. <laughs> right. They're stuck closed. So the best thing I did was literally pull all of it out. I mean, I almost, well, in my case, I, I did metaphorically went back to the studs in my shop. I went back to the center block wall. I took everything out. Um, and I went and bought uh, like five of those Rubbermaid containers at Target. And I just threw stuff in there. You know, when I, I was going to put it in there, it was safe and protected. And if I needed to get to it, it was easy enough to get to. And it took up very little space by just stacking them up in um, the laundry room, which is also our mechanical, where the furnace and water heater and everything is. I was able to put it over in the corner, out of the way, you know, knowing that I would eventually bring it back into the shop, but just getting it out of the way so I could assess what kind of space do I have. And then more importantly, what do I really need? And I suddenly had this realization that I can have that tool, but it does it actually have to live in the shop? Kind of like you just said with your lathe. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what suddenly realized, wait, I've got... I have space somewhere else, aka my garden shed, that I can move all my lumber into. Um, and I can share room with the lawnmower and the rakes and all that stuff. I also have this space in my laundry room. And granted, I don't have a lot of free space in the house, but we're talking like a two by three foot Rubbermaid container. And you can take four of them, stack them on top of another, and stick them over the corner, and you'll never even notice they're there. And that has all of that stuff, like, um, especially you'll learn this quickly, Matt, lathe project things like <laughs> pin kits, yes. bottle stopper kits, little blocks of pin blanks, um, little blocks of figured stuff that I'm going to turn something out of, um, pieces, not pieces of sandpaper, but extra sandpaper, um, mm -hmm. all that little stuff. And then I started discovering tools that, there's no way I'm going to get rid of this. Like uh, over my dead body, am I going to get rid of this tool? But a perfect example, I have a, a Lee Nielsen inlay, stringing and inlay set. Fantastic tool, works great, but I don't put stringing inlay on every one of my projects. Right. And even if I did, that's like one day out of, you know, let's be, let's be generous and say I build the project over the course of two weeks. One day in those two weeks, I'll be doing the stringing inlay. Right. So one day, <laughs> I pull out the stringing tools. Do they need to be readily accessible in some cabinet right in the shop? Hell no. Yeah, I was able to take those things and put them in the Rubbermaid container. And even if you don't move it out of your shop, stick it over in the corner. Um, and then it, it's kind of out of the way. And yes, it's not horribly organized. And yes, you'll have to dig through stuff to get it out. But how often do you actually reach for those things? Right. You know, um, and that was really liberating because I suddenly realized I have my core set of tools that every single day I'm in the shop, every project I work on, I'm reaching for that smoothing plane, that block plane, those three chisels all the time. Um, the rest of these tools, they can go somewhere that's not exactly easy to get to. So like those of you that have higher ceilings in your shop, go vertical. There Stick stuff up high, right. you know, um, that, that was so huge for me. And to this day, even though I finished the bulk of my remodel, I'm not done yet because I still have stuff not in the shop that I'm trying to determine, do I actually want to bring it back into the shop? And just the other day, 
uh, I realized that I do reach for my blue tape all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, depth stops on drill bits and things like that. Um, taping miters together for gluing or whatever. So I finally went and grabbed the blue tape, pulled it out of the Rubbermaid container, drilled the hole in the wall, shoved a dowel in it, and hung the tape on the wall. There you go. You know? <laughs> and and, and that, was, that was a permanent solution finally. But it was what? Almost eight months after I finished the remodel. Mm-hmm. So that type of stuff is so key. You know, we build up so much junk in the shop and we don't realize it. Get it out of there and bring it in when you need it. Well, yeah, because you can easily rationalize why you have this one particular thing and why it needs to be, you know, at, at eye level or like right where you can turn and see it every single time. But the fact is it's going to be probably more of a wall ornament than it is an actual <laughs> yeah, tool that yeah. you use. You know, another thing that you mentioned, the whole thing about taking the lumber and moving it outside or putting it in a completely different location. If I did that, that would free up a huge chunk of wall space for me in my own shop. Um, of course, that would also mean that I'd have to carry it up and down the basement still again, which I don't think I want to do. Uh, but for sure, I'm sure there are plenty, especially of individuals that maybe are out in a garage or something, where this could potentially be a situation where uh, as long as it's covered and, and from the elements, which could potentially maybe even be so much as like a, a really uh, well taken care of tarp or something where you, you are for sure not exposing it to the elements. Right. Uh, maybe you could find space alongside the house or, or uh, somewhere in the backyard or something where you could create some sort of of, of uh, uh, storage for it that would again free up more space. It's insane how much you know space that like materials take like that. So oh yeah, easily know. that's got to be the thing that takes up more room in a shop. Oh, it yeah. can't be anything maybe a cabinet saw would take room i well, doubt it though it, well, cabinet saw is not eight feet long <laughs> well you, you know if you think about it even if you only purchase enough lumber for a given project it's insane like when you bring it in so you you are dancing around the materials to try mm-hmm. and just get some stuff done i know myself that early on when that's exactly what i was doing in my old shop uh, i really had far less space than i do right now and whenever i would have uh lumber brought in for a project it was it was definitely a dance to get around those things in fact there i'm sure i brought up some safety issues that i'm like you know I probably could have I could have killed myself <laughs> trying to get <laughs> yeah. around this this wood. So that that definitely is one of them. Now, well, I see I've got neighbors that have like intricate ornate firewood storage. You know, okay. like an actual like three-sided lean-to looking thing that they stick their firewood in. Right. And heck, if that were me, I'd pull the fire out and stack my lumber in there right. and then you know buy as you said some sort of tarp um you can get really nice heavy grade tarps that would hang from the front and you could roll it up or you know i mean that's what we have at the lumber yard all of our sheds have tarp sides now i have never seen the tarps rolled down okay <laughs> in, in the years that i've been working there the five years i've been there we've never once rolled the tarps down but it's there if we need it you know the big thing is just having a roof over it to keep like standing water and the thing you have to be careful, obviously, if you've got kiln-dried heartwood, hardwood, you should be okay. But you do have to watch out for bugs. Yeah. Check it Check it occasionally. Um, I'm not going to say that bugs won't touch the heartwood, but they prefer sapwood because yeah. um, that's where the sugars and stuff are. That's the candy. Um, if you've got air-dried lumber, eh, that can be a little difficult. You can do it, but you have to watch for bugs a lot right. more. Well, then, then maybe that'll, as a small shop person, maybe that'll also discourage you from suddenly going on those big binges where you start there buying you like a whole entire barn's worth of stuff. Well, <laughs> take that one step further. Like in your instance, Matt, if you were to move your lumber into your garage, right. um, 
why not move the chop saw up there and stick it underneath the lumber rack? Because when else do you use the chop saw? Right. You know, unless you've got like, you know, a Festool Capex or of that caliber of saw that is really making precision cuts. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I never used my chop saw in that way. I had a craftsman thing that, you know, it, it, it cut okay. It did fine. Um, but I, I certainly wasn't roughing things out to or roughing. I wasn't cutting to exact dimension with that thing. Right. It was taking a 12-foot board and cutting it into three, four-foot lengths, basically, right. that I then did something else. So you could, you could justify moving that rougher-use tool up into the garage. Right. Absolutely. Well, yeah. And then that also raises an issue of like, you know, what does collection? I, mean, I know for a fact that I've thought about the idea of doing my milling out in the garage before I bring stuff in purely because of the whole dust collection issue. It's again, just like with my lathe creates a lot of dust that creates a lot of uh, chips and everything. And it's a heck of a lot easier to clean it out there. But of course, that also raises an issue of now we're saying like, well, maybe you have this extra space and they, that, you know, there's, yeah. there's issues where people are like, no, no, I only have this one mm-hmm. spot. Don't, don't make me get more exercise. trouble <laughs> right well, well how about how about shop layout do you have specific areas in your shop that are really almost well i don't think with our small shop that anything is 100 percent dedicated but let's say the vast majority of the time at sure. the one end of the shop or the other is more finesse work versus heavy work oh yeah absolutely i mean even in a 100 percent hand tool shop um i have a sawing corner where my saw bench sits and my saw till with all of my hand saws right there on the wall. Um, I've got two saw bents um, that I use sometimes in feed and out feed. That doesn't really work in a case of a saw bench, but you know what I mean? (laughs) On one side or the other side um, of the saw bench, they're all right there next to one another, which also happens to be right where my sump pump is. So they perfectly fit around the sump pump, which is kind of a nice uh, happy accident there. But everything is right there in that corner. It also happens to be the area of my shop that has the longest open length to it. I I can go from front to back all 22, 23 feet of the shop. Um, so I can set the saw bench up and I could take, you know, a 20 foot board and cross cut it in there because it's under, under, uninterrupted space from front to back. Of course, if I open the garage door, it's even more un, uninterrupted. But <laughs> right. if I come home with a 30 foot board, I broke a few road rules on my way home. <laughs> with a 30 foot board. That's I probably hope you had a good. nice red flag on the back of there. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that ended up being my, my sawing area. Um, of course, my workbench sits in the middle of my shop and that's where all the work gets done. Mm-hmm. But I have a lathe area. Um, which is right by the garage door, which is one thing about garage workshops. Do not forget about that fourth wall. (laughs) Yes, it's a door, um, but, you know, put stuff on wheels and park it there in front of the garage door. It's a whole wall that I like for some weird reason. I don't put a car in my shop. For some reason, I was like, oh, I can't put it in front of the garage door. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) It's the escape route just in case. That's why you're blocking your escape route, Shannon. (laughs) Right. Well, if a car can go through the door, it's pretty safe to say that if you put a tool there, you can still get around the tool to go out the door. Okay. Well, that's a garage woodworker tip. Don't Worry, don't ignore that fourth wall. You can do a lot there. So I've put my lathe right in front of the garage door, and that's kind of the lathe area. And also happens to be, as you said earlier, that's the dust maker. Um, and my dust collector is right next to the lathe now. Nice. So I've got a real short hose run from dust collection to dust collection port, whatever, shoot on, on the lathe itself. Um, 
I have a joinery bench against the back window, um, right in front of a window. So I get real good natural light there. And that's kind of where the real detailed work where all the carving and stuff happens right there. So absolutely. I have definite shop areas. I have a sharpening bench that sits right next to the, the door. All the sharpening goes on right in that area. Yep, and I, I pretty much very similar in the sense that yeah, I have uh, specified areas. I, I do most of my rough work is kind of at one end, um, and then of course I have a little bit more finer work, which is where my workbench is. And that also happens to be when you first walk into the shop. That's where uh, that particular type of detail work will happen right there and, and that's kind of planned for certain reasons as typically when i'm walking out of the shop um, i want the one spot that's going to be less dirty right there so i don't have big piles that i'm walking through and then drag them <laughs> all over the rest of the house right and then get murdered for it so <laughs> but yeah there's there's all sorts of different things we could do with our, our various shops layouts and you know I, I, when it comes to small shop i think that the key thing is you know again we always hear about like the, the Putting everything on mobile bases and uh, and maybe the, you know the, all the extra storage and thinking really smart about the storage and stuff, but a lot of times it it really does kind of come down to um, thinking out of the box isn't the right way to describe it. More or less, just thinking about not putting crap in the box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing is we tend to cram so much in there, and it's just not necessary. Yeah. Um, or, or not necessary all at once. Put it that way. Yeah. You know, put it put it somewhere out of the way. If it's in the shop, that's fine. But it, you know, the ability to get to everything, you know, I can reach any tool in two seconds. Well, that's great. Do you really need any tool in the shop in two seconds? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, most of the time when much. when you're walking into your into your shop to work on a project, you typically have an idea of what these are the tasks that I'm going to accomplish today, or I'm going to attempt to accomplish today. And if that's the situation, then you can even create a plan for which tools you're going to be breaking out at that point so therefore right. you know that like you're describing with the totes i know i need to get into these totes i'll get those and then that's going to help me to stick to my game plan today and if i get beyond that then kudos for me if i don't well that's another excuse to come back into the shop right it's almost like staging you know you go in, yes. go in the night before and stage the shop um, which could be you know actually that's a good now that i think about it that's a good practice in general, you know, as far as efficiency and getting things done. Uh, in our last episode, I talked about how I got done like barely half of what I needed to do. Right. <laughs> um, maybe if I, I had staged it more properly and had my tools out where I needed them to be, that might have been a different story. But, right. you know, the, the biggest thing and in, in for the new guys that are just getting a shop started, this is tough, you know, because you don't have you don't have much experience in that space. And it's really difficult to make those decisions. The biggest thing I can say is don't worry about it. Because the shop inevitably will change. The shop will never be in a position where it's like, oh, everything's exactly where I want it. I'm good now. It's never going to be that way. I would be more worried if your shop never changed than I would anything else because then I'm like, what are you actually doing in there? Right. (laughs) Are you just listening to us and not doing anything else? Are you you listening to somebody else? If that's the case, you should stop it. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely need to stop that. If you're just sitting in there listening to us, then it's okay for your shop to be fixed. But yeah, just don't be afraid to think, oh, I made a mistake. Because believe me, you talk about making a mistake, try ripping out 23 feet of fixed cabinet, base cabinets. That's a mistake right there. Right. But I did it and and you know I learned a lot from it and I know that I will never do that again. And I, I had to, and on paper, it seemed like a great idea. And I bet if I drew it out now, it would still seem like a great idea. Look at all this storage I would get. 
but you know, I would have never known that that would have been a bad idea. And that may be a great idea for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we're, we're fortunate. One of the guys that emailed us said that he spent more time examining the background of our videos than probably <laughs> the videos themselves, which I can't say that I blame him there. Right. Um, but, you know, you can learn a lot by looking at other woodworker shops and picking up little tips here and there and implement it. And if it's terrible, trash it. And and try something else, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your your shop should be uh, as 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 wood movementy as the wood itself is. <laughs> yes, <laughs> make absolutely. it work for you. I agree. Well, good. I think we've beat that one dead. I think we can uh, talk about it some more. Let's keep on going for another couple episodes. Hey, why not? <laughs> but, you know, as always, we'd love to hear what you guys say. Like, what what layout have you settled on for now, for today, or at least for the next week? And why? And why do you like it that way? This is definitely one of those great feedback, kickback type episodes. So yeah, you can certainly... compromises that even maybe you've made. Yeah, there you go. Definitely um, kick back or, you know, use the comment section on uh, the Wood Talk website. Always good conversations going on there. Sweet. Well, hey, uh, if anybody else wants to leave a comment or a question, maybe a suggestion, you know what? There's several different ways they can contact us. Do you know the ways to contact us, Shannon, other than just kickback? Uh, smoke signal? That's one of my favorites, actually. Preferably not from my wood pile. Yours is okay for with me for the smoke signals. Uh, <laughs> but you, nice. can, uh, you can email us by uh, emailing us at kickback at woodtalkshow.com. You can leave us a voicemail on our Skype. Our username is woodtalkonline. You can even leave us a voicemail on our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. And, of course, you can even leave us a comment over on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com which is another great place to leave some kickback because sometimes one of us actually like replies yeah sometimes, sometimes. if you're lucky well yeah we have really lucky. lucky and it's a tuesday i always like it when you guys reply to my stuff too but that's a whole other issue yeah doing your work for you that's yeah. fine yeah that works for me <laughs> well i think i think this week we have discovered that this show can go on without mark it's just not nearly as fun how do I have a feeling that Mark's probably going to leave some sort of like thing in here when we send it off to him to edit? <laughs> yeah, he's going to drop a little. It's going to be like the Easter egg at the end of Marvel movies. You have to wait to the end of the credits, folks. There'll be a Mark cameo at the end of the credits. <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> and, you know, as, as someone who's had to miss a show from time to time, I can say it's really enjoyable to listen. This is a great show to listen to. So, Mark, you're welcome. Yeah, absolutely, sir. You are very well. I hope you're feeling better and this doesn't make you sicker. Yeah, exactly. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. See you next time. See you.